in the dark world of tomorrow, when vampires rule the night. From the darkest depths of hell, the ultimate form of evil awakens. This has been difficult for all of us. If you knew my daughter, you'd understand. Her loss is more than this old soul can bear. I'll give you 20 million. It may be too late for her. What then? Just bring her back one way or the other. After the destruction of our world. After the dead stalk the living. After the desire for blood pools all. The only hope left is the one they call D. So, uh, the 80s were bad for rock music, I think. It's like good and bad, I'd say. I mean, we, all right. I, I guess you're probably right. I mean, we got like, we got Africa, right? Got Toto, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We got the Scorpions, uh, Rocky Like a Hurricane. Mm-hmm. And we got uh, Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets. Yeah, that's true. Well, I just also can't, like, I can't with Metallica. Um, I don't know, man. You're still, like, the pop rock of the time, the popular rock music of the time. Um, you know, discounting anything, you know, any punk movement bullshit or, or black metal or, you know, whatever else. Like, I don't know, man. I can't vibe with that shit. That, like, as Henry Zabrowski said, that, like, that, like, dad rock fucking that you can wash your car to kind of music. Like, I just, I don't fuck with that stuff at all. We're talking, like, Poison. Yeah. Like, uh, Motley Crue. Not, hair, it's hair metal, not, right? Yeah, but not I mean, entirely mostly. that either. Like. I don't know. A lot of it's probably the hair metal and the, sort of like the glam aspect of that shit, but I don't know, man. Like, but I, no. If you're asking, no, I most certainly don't fuck with like White Snake. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Twisted Sister, none of that stuff. I think it's my mom's favorite yeah. band is White Snake. Oh. I feel like. At least I know she, I know that she very much loves them. Sister Christian, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. If I'm listening to shit from the 80s, it's, uh, Fuck, actually, I don't really know at this point. I'm blanking on it, but I'm sure there's something I like. I like the 80s feel of, like, John Carpenter shit a lot. You know, the whole the whole synthwave kind of bullshit is nice, but most yeah. of that's contemporary. Duran Duran. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen to some Bauhaus, you know. I got nothing. I got no way to segue this, so no, I'm no, just going to no, do no, it. No, 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 no. Hold on, I got it. <laughs> I said Bauhaus. Bauhaus is goth crying your uh, room alone music, and... This is a goth cry in your alone, cry alone in your room, uh, movie. That's true, actually. Yeah, it's very sad. And uh, on that note, welcome to Geek Squatch, guys. The podcast all about eighties and nineties nerd nostalgia. I'm your host, Caleb McAllister, and welcome to the continuation of the summer of anime. The summer. Me. I am Sailor Moon, the champion of justice. Ah! You are already dead. Me. 
As always, I'm joined by my fellow host, Alex Daywalker-Hirsch, and this week we're going to be talking about, um, I would say, a lesser known anime that while like not as philosophically deep as our previous topics, I'd say it's like just plain old fun an- anime. Would you say? Why the fuck did you just call me a daywalker? Like, I make every attempt to not be outside <laughs> during the daytime. <laughs> That's true. You are really more of a regular old vampire. Yeah. I mean, it's about, I'm about as fucking close as they get. I mean, it's me and John Travolta holding it down for the vampire clans out here. <laughs> I guess he's bald again. He, he let it all go. All the plugs are gone. Good for him, man. Stand in your truth. You know? I mean, you can't take away yeah. all those fucking all those fucking reconstructive surgeries you had, I guess. But like, you know, all, all those elective <laughs> surgeries you had. But I mean, fuck it, man. Vampires don't age, right? I guess that's the whole idea. Yeah. Uh, as always, if you've got something to say about the show or this particular topic in general, you can call us and leave us a message at 540-692-9165. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so we're going to be talking about Vampire Hunter D, which I think a lot of people have heard of it. We're actually going to talk about um, Bloodlust in particular, which is uh, the sequel to the 1985 film Vampire Hunter D for a couple of reasons. One, Vampire Hunter D, the 1985 film, hasn't aged super well. And this film was one of my first like feature long feature length anime mm. purchases an OVA as they call it in the field. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, so what's it about? Obviously it's kind of about vampires. Uh, it was directed by Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with him, you might be familiar with his previous work, which is Ninja Scroll, which a lot of people our age remember because it was their first introduction to violent adult anime. Not quite hentai, not quite like porn, but like as close as we could possibly get at the age of 16 or maybe in Alex's case, 10. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know when you watched Ninja Scroll. It's probably about but- that. That's well... Ninja Scroll would have been around like my Ghost in the Shell, like weird early anime introduction. So like Ninja Scroll would have been actually probably the original Vampire Hunter D movie would have been all in that crate of movies and VHSs that would get sent back every once in a while from Hawaii, which I've told this story about 10 times on this show. But I had a friend, if this is your first episode, and uh, his brother at the time was like six or seven. uh, And his brother at the time was, uh, well, his brother, I guess probably still currently, was in... Hawaii, uh, stationed over there in the military, and he would send over these VHSs, and some of them were official, some of them weren't just in Japanese, some of them were English translations, and some of the shit was just bootleg stuff. I mean, like, I think my copy of Ghost in the Shell uh, was was recorded over, like, some hardcore porn. (laughs) Like, it's just the way it goes. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so Ninja Scroll, Vampire Hunter D, like, a lot of that early anime from the, like, the eight, from that wave in the 80s, uh, in the early 90s, would have been around that time. This would have been like 94 for me, probably. This movie, however, I didn't see until... If I wa- I don't remember an original watch. If I watched it during my like teenage anime phase, it would have been like 2004, 2005. 
Yeah, I think I saw it sometime after it came to DVD, which is probably like 2001-ish, which is kind of out of our realm of topic or like, you know, time period. But this movie is pretty influential, I think, in a lot of ways. It kind of seemed to be in that zeitgeist of vampire stuff and was super in in the early 2000s with Blade and and all that. Um, Underworld. Yep, the Underworld series and whatnot. And I have a weird special place in my heart for this movie. I know it's not objectively good, but it looks really cool. It's really slick. I was trying to think of a good analogy for anyone who's unfamiliar with anime. And I would kind of say that Yoshiaki Kawajiri is like the Michael Bay of anime. Okay. Very flashy, pretty, cool character designs, but like there's not a lot of meat sure in the story. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Um I guess if you take them by sort of their their directing uh style, that's probably it's probably pretty accurate. I at first when you said that I was like Everything everything Kawajiri does is like pretty fucking dark fantasy. Like it's either like historical or dark fantasy. But then I was like, well, I guess yeah. There's never really much meat to what he's putting on the fucking table. You know what I mean? I started to watch Ninja Scroll again last night, and I still have no idea what's going on in that movie. Like, you don't I need just to. Can't... No, you don't. You just need to watch the cool things happen on screen, and that's there's a little bit more substance to this film than Ninja Scroll. Which we should do next summer. We should definitely include that yeah. on our summer of anime. But um, this movie just kind of about vampires and killing stuff. Which hey, that's a good time in my book. So let's like really quickly break down the plot. There's not much to it. We're in the future where vampires apparently are on decline, and a girl is kidnapped presumably by a vampire whose name is Meyer Link and D is hired uh, to kill Meyer and D the titular character is a damn peel or a dampire if you prefer or daywalker if you understand the blade thing he is half human half vampire and he basically kicks ass takes names Saves, tries to save the girl. There's a little bit of a twist at the end where that doesn't quite happen the way it's supposed to. And in the end, D makes a human friend. And that's kind of the end of the movie. It's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's the move. The whole movie is a race between D and a group of bounty hunters to uh, kill this evil vampire who is, uh, as they believe, kidnapped a girl. But they come to find out uh, through throughout the movie, you can see a little bit more of the relationship between uh Charlotte and Meyerlink you get to see these uh this relationship develop a little bit more into it's 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 less of a kidnapping situation it's less of a Stockholm syndrome situation and more of like she actually loves him like quite a bit and wants to be with him um it raises the question how much of that is owed to the fact that this vampire is in fact a like a vampire noble and can probably fucking control her mind or or or, or lure her in some other way um but the point is, she believes she's acting on her own free will. And at some point, we have to accept that, I guess, you know? Yeah, that is a constant question in the the eye of the viewer is whether or not you can actually trust her feelings. And, and I totally get that. And I have no answer to it. Um, so the reason why 
I like this movie is the action sequences, the attention to detail in those action sequences. Um, the, one of the first ones right away is where the, the Marcus brothers, who are the rival team of vampire killers, uh, walks into a town and it's full of people who have been turned into not full vampires, not, not, not like nobility, but like they call them zombies, which I think is kind of a. They're like in between state. They're not quite vampires. They're not quite zombies. They're kind of in the middle. And they have a great sequence where they have this giant train like vehicle. It's got crosses all over it getting attacked. And um, Borgoff, the leader, comes out with this really cool like arm bow and just starts sending all these arrows at him. And there's great slow-mo sequence where you get to see all the arrows come flying down and all the the vampire zombies trying to dodge them very cinematic very cool moment yeah i didn't realize that that <laughs> that arm crossbows in fucking monster hunter world is basically that exact thing right like that's exactly what that is oh yeah fucking a man yeah i like uh i so this movie the, like, thematically like sort of uh cinematically this movie's set in like the year 12,000 something, right? Um, right. It's like very far in the future. It even pans in, in the opening crawl where it's giving you sort of the, the text and like talking about like the setting of the world and, you know, how vampires ruled at one time, but they're sort of on decline or whatever. It even kind of shows this city in the sky, the city of stars or whatever, um, that is like a floating metropolis orbiting the planet Earth. And it, then it kind of goes into Earth and, you know, talks about this stuff. But this is like a post-apocalyptic tale. The The novel's... Uh, this is based on it's it's post-apocalypse like very far into the future um which is weird because just watching this or just catching like a screen cap somewhere like you it's very van helsing it's very you would think it's like middle ages europe you know what i mean just looking at it until you see screen caps of things like the marcus brothers with their giant fucking tank train vehicle and all of their (laughs) like crazy bazookas and shit you know what i mean and the horse, uh, D always has a horse and all the horses in this world are like, they're not really, they're like techno organic. Mm, they're cyborgs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, D's always has horns, of course, cause it's gotta be super cool like that. You know, that's just the style. D is just very like prototypical. He's pale, thin, doesn't talk any very much wide brim hat, giant sword, um, skin tight outfit has an answer for everything but also very sullen and like self-loathing you know oh yeah he's alone you know he he can't have any relationships he can't have any friends he lives forever everybody knows dies it's that tragic tale of course but it's so cool to watch well the thing is is like so in so this movie is not a direct sequel it's a it's it's like a kind of a remake um or, or a revisiting this this movie tells the story that is told in the third novel um, and the first movie, uh, Vampire Hunter D tells them, tells a story of, uh, the events of the first novel. However, they are not necessarily direct sequels. If you watch Bloodlust and you have not seen Vampire Hunter D, you are not out of anything. They, they are very much sort of, uh, the idea here is that you're visiting, you're visiting D at different points in his life or at different points in time where he is just running around tearing shit up. Um, it's really cool. It's really good, but the thing about D, the thing about his character, I think, that I like the most is that it is widely believed, it's never outright 110% just straight said, and I haven't read all of the novels, but I, I believe 
that it's never said, even in some of the more recent ones, um, that he is actually the son of the original sire of vampires, the original vampire lord. The sacred ancestor is what they call him. Right. Um, in the original movie, they actually straight up call him Dracula. Uh, you know, and that's that's the way that goes. And now, why that would why that's important is because I guess sure, like he's son of Dracula. That's a fun thing you could say for the movies. You know, just to say it's about story about son of Dracula killing vampires, like Alucard in Castlevania. Um, but what's interesting to me about that is the same thing that makes Alucard interesting is that if your father is the progenitor of the vampires and you view them as transient guests in this world, um, you know, people, people that are on their way out and need to be exterminated because they're evil. It's one of those, uh, sins of the father type problems, right? Like you, he blames himself, I think, in, in a lot of ways for literally all of the nobility. Uh, literally all of all of vampire problems, and he is set about destroying that shit. Very much like Blade. Very much like every every half vampire character. Like this is the trope, right? It is a trope. It's tropey. It's a tropey film. You know, it, it does have a slight. I would say not like a like a surprise turn at the end, but definitely like a quarter a quarter turn. It's not like a one eighty, but it's like it's a quarter. Pivot. Yeah, small pivot. Nothing like that makes it. Ooh, that's kind of cool. You know, but it's like, oh wow. M. Night Shyamalan would not a, like this movie. No, it's not a, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a turn on your head, oh my gosh, it was fake the whole time kind mm. of thing. Um, it, this movie, much like Ninja Scroll, has a style to it uh, that Madhouse really enveloped with, with the, the character artist. Um, blanking on the name. Again. Uh, Yoshitaka Amano? Yeah, just yeah. Say you say 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 it a little more unquestioningly. Uh, you talk about Yoshitaka Amano, right? Who most people would know as the concept artist for the Final Fantasy games, um, all the way until the most recent one, actually. A very kind of wispy, feminine look, which fits the vampire world like absolutely perfectly, like D to a T. Yeah, well, you want to know you want to know something actually really really crazy is that he was the uh sort of key artist on this thing and he actually so uh Amano actually does all of the art, all the illustrations for the novels. Um and I need to stress this, this is weird because a lot of people like a lot of western people won't get this probably immediately if you're not a, if you're not really big in anime, but like when I say novels, I'm not talking about manga. I'm talking about novels. Like these are books. Um, that have a few illustrations um, or cover illustrations or whatever they're done by uh, Yoshitaka Amano. Um, there, there are, there is also manga that's out there. Uh, I think that it is kind of an, it's kind of like probably the most inferior product uh, in this in this franchise. Um, but what I wanted to say is, Yutaka Minoa was the um, sort of the secondary uh, guy, the secondary character designer, secondary artist uh, for this movie. And it's funny that you bring that up because like. He did the character design and animation for Ninja Scroll. He did Outlaw Star. He did the uh, that short in the Animatrix, the anime one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and this all just sort of reeks of his style. Um, yeah. While Amano may have done a lot of the key character art um, and been the original inspiration for these like super long-legged, wispy people you're describing, like Minoa was definitely the one who went through and made them his own. That's why they all have that weirdly sort of... It's like handsome. It's like, it's a, like handsomely ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a box. All the human people look like uh, that, that style. What you're talking about? 
Right. Where it's like boxy and, and, and very square jawed and large eyes. But their eyes are always and, uh, kind of downturned, like they're always sad a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the the women always have these like giant eyes, you know. Right. Huge. And very very pointy chins, um, lithe bodies, very into the uh like perfect woman kind of thing we're talking you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah I, I would like everyone in the game unless they're or in the game jesus christ everyone in the movie unless they're illustrated specifically to be ugly are illustrated like um in in the way that you see that sort of traditional uh golden ratio kind of like grecian illustration or or sculpting you know what i mean like they're all very right. very chiseled very sculpted faces there's not any. There's none of that sort of round face, round eyed shit you catch in anime nowadays. It is. This is all very much like strangely, like more anatomically correct. But also, when you look at these people, like they're like a lot of them, like their legs are like four and a half times the size of their torso. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, it's a weird style. I I like it a lot. And this this thing, whenever I see stuff like this, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and shit like that, I always think back to. Ninja Scroll and Vampire Hunter D and all these older animes like this this feels like a very uh this feels like 80s shit to me. You know what I mean? Like Gogol 13 kind of shit. Yeah, but it's super crisp and really really professionally done, I would say. Like it's I was watching Ninja Scroll again like I said last night and it's got a little bit of a grungy, grimy, mm-hmm. almost like film grain style like like touch to it. Yeah. And this is crisp. This is this is like sell artwork, you know. It, it, I don't think it, it actually is. Is it? No, I, I don't. I, well, I don't know about this movie actually. Um, I don't. I this movie was created with the aid of computer generated graphics. I will say that it, yeah. it is definitely hand yeah. illustrated, but also like heavily aided by that. Um, what I will say regarding the animation, by the way, the illustration I think is like pretty fucking high up there for an OVA, like pretty high up there especially the background illustration and stuff like that like that shit is the setting uh in general is presented in such a way that it is beautiful when you see uh carmilla's castle later on it that shit is top notch uh but when you talk about like character animation and stuff i feel like they blew the budget on the backgrounds and blew the budget on the mood setting and and really didn't spend as much time on making the animation as fluid as it could be because when we're talking about cowboy bebop uh which is a 26 episode tv show which is you know, uh, that works out to be about 13, 13 and a half hours worth of shit that was produced compared to this one's one hour and 40 minutes. The animation in Cowboy Bebop, I would never even really hail as like super fucking stellar either, but it is way better than this shit. <laughs> like the fight scenes are stylish in this one, but they're not, as, they're, not, they're not nearly as fluid to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, it seems like all the money was spent on the, the, tight shots like facial shots or just like at the chest level and above those are super highly detailed but when you get to like wide shots Mm -hmm. it degrades quite a bit for sure but the character designs in and of themselves are pretty cool like uh i love them the marcus brothers they're i want to know more about them you know like it's at that point where the characters are so cool looking we've got borgoff with his crossbow we got nolt with his giant steak axe nolt is, nolt, nolt, nolt is the coolest one right i mean like yeah you got kyle with his spinning blades and then you got this tragic character grove who's obviously in love with the only the female on their team layla 
And he his ability is that he can basically kill himself and send an astral projection out to attack their enemies. But every time that he does this, he basically gets closer and closer to death. And, you know, in kind of a tropey way, he kills himself to save her because he's in love with her. And she doesn't really acknowledge that at all in the film. He, she's kind of like ignores him and kind of like brushes him off the whole time. And it's it's kind of sad. Very tragic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he is the problem. The, the, one of my bigger gripes with this movie is that it's nearly two goddamn hours long. And we really don't know anything about these Marcus brothers uh, or, or this, you know, this whole hunter group. Right. The only thing we know is that they hunt vampires. They're bounty hunters. You know what I mean? Um, I very much would like to know more about them. I have not read this book, so I don't know how much more detail that goes into. But these are light novels, as they're called. Um, something like 50,000 words. Like, they're not not big books. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And the few that I have read have all been the exact same story, which is the same story that's in this one, the same story that's in Vampire Hunter D, the original, which is... Nobles are doing some vampire nobles are doing some shit. Townspeople get fed up with it and hire a bounty hunter. D comes in, does some flashy sword shit and kills somebody. And that's, and that's like the yeah. end of it. Like, like the whole, there's 26 or 28 books in this fucking series right now. And every one of them is that sometimes the, sometimes they might be trying to summon up an old God. Sometimes they might be stealing kids from the fucking village or whatever else, but that's pretty, that's pretty much the whole thing. Uh, but this character, this psychic character, man, who uh, named Grove is his name. Um, I like that dude's that dude's power is cool. He is pretty like, cool. When he turns yeah. into that astral form and just starts like shooting energy lasers and evaporating these fucking dudes. Like it's it's really good. Yeah, it's interesting because going back and watching Ninja Scroll, Kawajiri like has some ideas that he just kind of recycles, which okay, fine. Cause like Bingy, the shadow assassin, mm-hmm. that character is also in Ninja Scroll, like exactly the same oh yeah it's a cool concept i love it you know traveling within this within shadows and then stabbing a shadow is like stabbing a person that is some spiritual assassin stuff that i can get on board for (laughs) love it but it's just kind of funny like you know it's kind of the same idea um these are these are so there's three characters bingy being one of them that are hired by the vampire to protect him on his way to get away from the vampire hunters and it's Bingy, Caroline and Machira. And Bingy is Bingy is pretty cool and creepy because he's got this amazing like high voice. That's super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and he's got the shadow abilities. Caroline is like this feral looking woman who can merge into whatever she touches and, and like become that material and, and she doesn't get killed when she's beheaded, which is totally weird. I don't know how that works, but that's cool. She's a shapeshifter, man. You're just a dude, dude, dude yeah. doing shit. And then Machira is this werewolf that also has like a wolf mouth in his stomach, which is crazy, but kind of cool. I, yeah, man. When, like when, when that first got exposed the first time, I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck? And then when you see it the second time, I was like, <laughs> okay, actually, it's pretty fucking dope, dude. Like, it's, it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> It is really fucking yeah. stupid, but it is also like it's, it's just peak anime bullshit. It's like he's a werewolf. How do we make that cooler? Two mouths, obviously. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Exactly. Like he's just double werewolf. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you know these these three are assassins from Barbaroy, which is this apparently this town that's full of freaks and monsters that are uh, have 
some sort of contract with vampires to do what they say and, and they get compensation. And there's this old man of Barbaroid that's voiced by the same guy, Dwight Schultz, who does Bingy. And that guy's voice, he can do the creepiest things. This this blind, shriveled old man who's on this unicycle that he just like sits on and he talks to D and t- like tells him he's attractive. And he's like, oh, does that make you uncomfortable? Like immediately the guy is trying to get under D's skin. Doesn't work. But man, I just forgot how creepy and... Just gives me the shivers, that guy is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like that guy. He rides around on a unicycle. He wears like a little jester cape. Uh, he's a weird dude. I like him a lot. Yeah, the character designs that they just have are so cool. Yeah. I, hey, uh, I realized that this was probably very much, very much, uh, well, let's be honest, Berserk and, and Guts and all that shit was really the, the major inspiration here, but... You're kidding yourself if you think the creators of uh, the Dark Souls, the Souls series and Bloodborne and all didn't take crazy inspiration from shit like this. And it's very much evident in things like Berserk and in things like Vampire Hunter D where these bad guys are like, they're all kind of grotesque in their own unique way. And they're also all very interesting and like high highly fucking surreal like they're weird people you know what i mean it's not just oh i'm a bad guy and i've got tentacles like that's not fun but a bad guy who has tentacles who also is like mega creepy and is indebted he's indebted to the fucking sacred fucking uh to, to fucking d's dad you know what i mean which is another thing that i don't know doesn't make any fucking sense at all i guess I don't, it's yeah it's weird and then um let's talk about the the last character. I mean, we can talk about. Well, let's talk about Layla. Layla first. Okay. Uh, Layla is this weird sort of semi love interest. I guess friend, friend interest for D. She's a hunter with the Marcus brothers, which you never explain how she really got in with them. Her mother was killed by vampires, and so she decided to become a vampire hunter. She's got a cool, like giant gun that apparently shoots compressed air or force or something i can't quite figure it out doesn't really matter she's got skin tight outfit on kind of prototypical uh, but she tries to take d and meyer out and doesn't exactly work well for her and d saves her and she thinks that you know she's she's got, he's gonna bite her he thinks he's gonna bite her and you know d's kind of tempted to but they end up becoming friends and kind of understanding each other. And they're the only two survivors of the film. And he goes to her funeral, which, you know, just shows you D's never going to die. It's impossible to kill him. Which, quite literally, I have read, it is quite impossible to kill him. They've basically figured out how to make him immortal mm-hmm. um, and a god. So that's not surprising. But... It is kind of funny when you see the little girl there and she's like, oh, my grandma was telling me about you. I'm so glad you came to her funeral. And he has that touching, you know, line of, uh, you know, I had a friend once and she said that no one, she was afraid no one would come to her funeral. I'm really glad that so many people loved her. Right. That's a great way to end that movie. Actually, kind of as a a sentimental dad these days, I was like, (laughs) That's oh, kind of nice. Right, right, right. Yeah, I liked it. It was fine. Um, I like I like that that hint sort of that, like you, like you touched on there about like it it drives the idea home, right? That being a a a dampier or as they say in this movie, a dunpeel, which fucking makes me want to die because they say it about seven thousand different times, and it is an awful 
awful like mistranslation, a major oversight, major mistake. It really sucks. Um, they really drive it home. Like, yes, he's he's half vampire. He blah 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 blah. He you know he grows fangs. He tries to bite people. He goes vampire mode whenever shit gets real and it fucking saves him. But that scene in the end really drives home. Like, nah, he's just he's just fucking he's he's be walking to Earth, man. Like fucking Kung Fu, the legendary journeys. He's just walking to Earth and fucking saving problems. <laughs> yeah, he's got nothing else to do, man. He's just one town to the next. Which they they also do kind of touch on when he goes and get that second horse, and the the guy tells that story about how you know these kids were kidnapped, and this vampire hunter showed up, and he was a damp heel. And the townspeople hired him and then he saved the kids. And when they brought him back, they ran him out of town and didn't pay him. And the guy who tells that story is one of the kids. And it's like this one moment of character development that we get in the middle of the film that we really, really need. Because at that point, we're kind of like, why are we following this D guy? Like, what's his deal? He's cool, obviously. He's got he's got a cool look, you know. Um, but we don't know how good of a person he is Mm -hmm. and this really reinforces it that like no we're following the good guy you know we're we're sure that we're following the good guy right and now i want to talk about the coolest character in this entire movie Hmm. that would be left hand oh you think left hand's the coolest character all right cool all right all right i do i i don't think i did when i first watched this movie but the, the, the second time and the third time and now this is probably my fourth or fifth I love the banter between Left Hand, which is a symbiont being of some kind that lives in D's left palm and apparently can like, he's kind of a a MacGuffin, like he can handle any situation by like eating it. He has a pocket universe inside of him and he can basically suck up pretty much anything, apparently. Souls, spells, elements... But he's also like the complete polar opposite of D, whereas D is very reserved and quiet and has no emotion. Left hand is like this cranky old man who's been around longer than D and like has no one to talk to. So he just rambles and he will tempt D one moment into like, you know, we should suck her blood. And the next moment he's like, I'm just kidding. Like, don't do that. You know, that'd be horrible. Right. Uh, and he's voiced by... Mike McShane, who I totally forgot who he was. Um, he was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, as uh, I believe he's Friar Tuck. Uh, he's in Office Space. He's got like a lot of bit parts. His voice is just very unique and kind of fits this like sarcastic, lonely, weird hand spirit. I don't know how to explain it. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's definitely good voice casting. Um the writing for that character is man, when we start talking about the cast, the actual people who play these characters, I have things to say when we really dive into that. Um the writing for this character in this version of the movie, in the English version of the movie, uh is different from the Japanese one. And that in the Japanese one he's a little more a little more grave and a little more sullen. He still kind of has that, you know, he still is sort of the outspoken one, the 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 polar opposite to D in that way, um, but he's a little bit more macabre, I guess, uh, in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's fucking weird. It's literally never explained um, in the original movie. It's not explained in this movie. Nothing about this thing is explained at all. 
uh, in some of the novels, they kind of go into the fact that uh, at one time it served, I believe it served, uh, you know, the, the sacred ancestor, uh, Dracula. But fucking beyond that, it's just like, no, it's just a thing that D has going on. And he's just got this like parasitic fucking face in his in his left hand that he that, that can eat earth and spit it back on top of him to bury him because that's how vampires fucking regenerate and heal themselves. So if anything ever happens, this happens in the original movie, uh, he gets fucked up. And the hand gets severed from his body, and we're like, "Oh shit, D's dead!" Like, and and everybody's like, "Oh hell!" And then the hand, uh, left hand, crawls its way back over to where D is, kind of attaches back onto the arm where it's supposed to be, and begins eating dirt and shit on the ground, and then like pukes it all back up onto D to bury him, and that's how D gets healed. Like, it's fucking nuts, man. In the in the manga, apparently, it eats a nuclear blast. Sure. <laughs> so i mean y'all anime is great know, <laughs> simultaneously great and horrible yeah it would be really nice if they kind of explained where he came from and he does get him out of like every sticky sticky situation he kind of gets him out of every sticky situation that he gets into but i still have a soft place in my heart for this weirdness i can't explain it it's a good sidekick <laughs> You know, it's it's yeah. about as best as it could be, and it also doesn't have to be a person who is constantly being like uh, in trouble and need to be saved. It's not like a Robin scenario, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a part of D, so it doesn't really matter. I don't know. It's it's cool. I would argue that, in my opinion, I would say Left Hand is by far not the coolest character in this fucking thing. Okay, well let's let's talk about the cast then. Um, we got D. Mm-hmm. It's Anthony Philpot, mostly known for voice work. A little bit of acting here and there, nothing significant. Um, this would probably be, in my opinion, his biggest role as D. I think when I, I, think when I did some research, that's about what I gathered too, was pretty much this was the biggest thing he did. Yeah. Um, Meyer Link was John Rafter Lee, who I'm not super familiar with either. Um, mostly done some acting in the 80s, but just minor, minor voice acting. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Pamela Siegel or Seagal as Layla. She voiced fucking Bobby Hill. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, she's got a very long career. Very successful. Tinkerbell. Um, she's she's been in a lot of things. Animatrix, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. She's a, fa- a voice in that. Just a lot of little things here and there, and some big ones too. We got Wendy Lee. She voiced Charlotte. She doesn't have a lot of lines in this movie, but you know her as a voice actress is pretty darn prolific. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of anime. Naruto, like she voices four characters plus. Um, Dude, she's Faye Valentine she's, in Cowboy Bebop. She she's Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop. Um, she plays Queen Serenity on Sailor Moon and on the latest one. Um, if you're into that, she's in Persona Four. I mean, dude, if you've watched anime, she's probably been in one of them. Oh yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that for sure. Uh, then we got Mike McShane, like I talked about, as Left Hand. I won't go into that anymore. And we got. Um, I'm just going to go straight to the big boy. Let's talk about yeah. John DiMaggio is in another movie that we talk about. Yeah, go fucking figure. 
And he's not only in this movie once, he's in this movie four times. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, three times. No, four times. I was right. Nolt, Sher- the sheriff, uh, Machira, who's the werewolf dude, uh, and John Elborn. Who is yeah. the, John Elborn, I think, is the son, right? Yes. Yeah. The son of the the guy that hires uh, D. Yeah, and, yep. And then John Demata, or Demita, who was in Princess Mononoke, who we kind of brushed over, he was Alan Elborn. Mm-hmm. And I looked him up, and John uh, Demita has been in like a million things. Like his, wow, like yeah. Well, that's how I mean. You know, we're, we were both fans of the uh, of the show Critical Role, the D and D show Critical Role, and it's all voice actors that play Dungeons and Dragons, and like. When you start to look at some of their credits as well, that's what that's what got me on that kick. Because, I mean, I've, I've always liked voice actors and, and you know been like sort of casually interested in the industry. But that's what really got me into looking into individuals and sort of a lot of their roles outside of some of the big ones like John DiMaggio. And as it turns out, fucking anime voice actors, like Western anime uh, dub voice actors, man, they just get like it's like six different people doing all those roles. You know, what I mean, they're all Nolan North. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a really hard industry to break into because of that. Because once you know somebody and what they can do, you generally ask them to do another role. You know, mm-hmm. and, they, and they try out for it, but because the pool is kind of a networked pool, like you know, I know you, you know me, you know, I do good work, kind of thing. They get a lot of work. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, if you're good at what you do. I have no hate for that. I think it's that's awesome. And, you know, just like most things, it's just who you know. Yeah. Networking has gotten me every single job, except for my first job. Hmm. Actually, take that back. My second job was the only one that was, that, you know, never got from networking. Huh. I think networking has only gotten me maybe one of my jobs ever that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Weird how that works. <laughs> Got no more people, man. Gotta make them friends. Yeah, so, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie was released in American theaters. Um, it was finished in 1998 in production by Madhouse. Uh, and then it was shown at an American anime fan conventions across the nation. Um, a work in uh, a work in progress print was shown in 2000 at the Fantasia Film Festival in July uh, in Montreal and at the New York Anime uh, Film Festival in October 2000. And then it was released um, as an English language version in theaters, but only in 12 theaters. I want to say something really fast. This movie is fucking weird when it comes to the production and and the and the release of this movie because when it comes to a lot of things especially things that are entirely like this is not a studio ghibli joint you know what i mean this is not like the this is not like a huge anime studio even though even though madhouse was huge um this is not a huge still is yeah, still is very big yeah but this is not a huge western release type situation like say like uh like spirited away you know what i mean this movie was made with the english dub as the default it was made around the english dub which means the version is an english movie and the japanese version is the dub is dubbed yeah that's fucking nuts 
I think there was a real feeling that this movie would translate to American audiences much more than it actually did. Um, I'm not quite sure why that is. Maybe the success of Princess Mononoke kind of gave them, well, I guess limited success uh, of that movie, gave them some sort of feeling of confidence. I'm not sure. But it is very, very weird because it didn't make any money Mm-mm. here. No, this is a uh, this is a movie that even like I'm not going to say major anime fans because anime is a big thing. It's like saying that's like when you say that it's like saying I'm a fan of cartoons. It's like well, fucking what cartoons? Like, are you a 30 year old guy that watches you know is like was like super into Rugrats and like really likes funny cartoons? You like comedies? You like to watch your shit with your kids? Are you a guy who likes Adult Swim? You know what I mean? Like, like anime is a broad thing, but oh shit, I had a point with this and I lost it. Damn it. Think about it. Think about it. What were you saying? Oh, it just didn't make any money. Damn it. I had a good point to make and I lost it. It's gone forever. <laughs> it's gone forever. Your anime guy. This is, this is an anime for like people who like anime. Is that like a weird thing to say? Yeah. Yeah. That was my, yeah. That's the point I was trying to make. There was uh. So this movie is, you know, if you're an anime fan in general, um, you've probably heard of this, right? Like if you're like, even if, if you've ever Googled anime beyond just seeing something happening on like Adult Swim on a Saturday night, right? Like if you've ever gone through and read a wiki or, you know, been a part of a forum or a message board or a Facebook group or something, you've probably heard the name Vampire Hunter D somewhere if you haven't seen the movies. But the thing is, this is one of those movies that everyone sort of is aware of, but I don't know. I don't think I know. I I knew one person in high school who had seen uh, the original Vampire Hunter D uh, 85 movie. Um, she was a huge fan of Inuyasha. That was like her shit, um, which actually in a weird way, they're totally two totally different things, but they're like super fucking tracks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of criminal how few people have seen this stuff because this is a brilliant work of, I mean, tropey, but a brilliant work of Gothic fiction. Oh yeah, I was just thinking about that opening sequence where they they pull away from that giant castle and all the crosses that are on all of the roofs yeah. just start bending and cracking and just twisting in gnarly like unnatural ways and it sets the tone for the rest of the film. Like you immediately know like, oh shit, like this is going to be a twisted, dark, violent thing where normal everyday things get broken. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's kind of the, the the through line throughout the whole film. Yeah, I wish. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about about Meyer Link, about the the main vampire, the noble vampire. But he's really fucking cool, and there's a lot of really neat shit around the nobles in this universe. Uh, one of which being when he makes it to Carmilla's castle, who is his sire. She made him. When he makes it to this castle. Uh, he is going there because he wants to escape with Charlotte, his love, to the fucking stars, which is something we haven't really hit on in this thing. Like, Carmilla has possibly the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, which is a goth space shuttle. (laughs) Like, it's like a fucking cathedral made to fly into space. It's, god damn it, it's so good. And not only that, but she's not real. And she fools Meyer. Meyer doesn't realize that she's dead. Right. To the point that yeah, a, she she tries to kill him. <laughs> like Yeah. She cuts him in half. 
which isn't crazy. I, I love the way that they show Meyer attacking. Like he uses his cape and his cape becomes wings and the wings are blades. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to turn into a bat. You know what I mean? Right. Th- that's too far, but he can fly still using these, using his cape. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. His hand kicking like summon up that dope like gauntlet, that like metal hand claws. That shit rules. I'm a sucker for <clears throat> I think it's because, I think it's because of Lord of the Rings. I think it's because of Sauron's gauntlets. Because whenever I think of dope gauntlets, I think about Sauron's hands in those movies. And that, that dates me. It kind of puts me at like where my age is uh, among a lot of like older, older people. You know what I mean? Who would be like that? Like that's where you get your love of fucking cool gauntlet shit. But like, yeah, dude, that shit rules. A heavily articulated, like Gothic styled knight gauntlet is about the coolest thing I can imagine. Well, with, with pointy fingertips. It's got to have the pointy yes. fingertips. Yeah, you, you yeah, have yeah. to look like you could rake a man's face off. See, for me, I'm really into the transformation stuff. Like when they when he turns that hand, I mean, he literally just pulls his hand back and all of a sudden it, it transmutations into that. Stylish. I'm into that. Stylish. Yeah, so it's like such style. I love style. S-class, and the dude. the style of this film is my jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't explain it. I can never defend this as a well. I can. That's the thing. It's like this is a good movie. It's not a good. Uh, it's not, maybe not like the greatest story ever told. You know what I mean? It's maybe not the greatest like even OVA that I've ever seen. As far as like, wow, this is like some cinematic masterpiece. This is not a cinematic masterpiece. But it's it's just oozing with style. You know what I mean? And if you if you ever had the slightest bit of a fucking angsty goth phase this movie is for you like 400 percent. yeah seeing this movie yes. at like 14 or 15 years old will fucking change the rest of your life yeah yeah plus it's got my favorite sword of all time in it it's got a messer you know yeah. that's what d uses and that's my favorite kind of sword it's basically a giant knife dual dual handed knife i mean you know can't go wrong. Yeah, it's so. utterly ridiculous in this thing. But yes, messes, oh, messes yeah. are very cool. But it's anime, big swords, right? I mean, it's exactly anime is titties, big swords, and fucking dog police. <laughs> and this has all of those, basically. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could kind of bend the rules on the dog police. I This movie's got a 62% on Metacritic, which I think is kind of a low, but not too far out of the range of what you would expect. I'd say it's probably like a 70. Yeah. That's about where I'd put it. I think it's 70. Yeah. Um, I, I feel, I I feel like no one who watches this movie is going to feel like they wasted their time. I mean, if 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 you're down to watch anime. <laughs> like, yeah. and, not, and I'm not talking Dragon Ball Z shit. I'm talking, like, if you're down to watch, like, anime-ass anime, then, you know, this is probably it. I'm debating whether or not to make Jamie watch this. Don't do it. Because <laughs> I, I don't think she'll like She's it. Gonna, it's slow, dude. It's too slow for her. She's going to hate it. Yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, I think I'm going to say this. If you haven't heard of this film before, we're talking about it. If you are interested in it in any way, shape or form, give it a check it out. You can actually find it quite a few places um, for free. So go do that. Yeah. Or you can buy it on Blu-ray for like like 15 bucks or something, you know? Yeah. It's worth your time. I think it's kind of a hidden gem in anime, you know, like it kind of. It gets forgotten. It I is. Kind of you're, you're, you will never, ever, ever see a guy walking around with a Vampire Hunter D t-shirt, right? You might see a fairy tale. You might see fucking Gurren Lagann or, you know, tons of, you know, obviously obvious stuff uh, shown in kind of shit like Naruto and, and Dragon Ball Z. But like, again, this is one of those things that a lot of people have heard of, even like some of the slightest anime fans. 
but like nobody watches or talks about, you know, this doesn't get talked about at all. And to sort of make a better point of that, there's not a lot of shit out for this franchise. I mean, there, there are the books there are tons of novels. There are two of these movies, the 85 release. And then this one, um, there was a video game for the PlayStation two, I believe, uh, or maybe three. No, nah, I think it was PlayStation two. Cause it was like, it was this, it came out like 99. Um, so it would have been actually would have been PS one, I guess. Um, but beyond that, there's like, there's like nothing for this shit at all. And not for the, not for the same reason that the director of Cowboy Bebop was like, no, I told my story and I said my thing and it's over and I won't make anything else. Like it wasn't that really cool way of drawing things to a close. It's more just like, I don't think anybody fucking paid any money for this shit. I think everybody got bootleg ass copies and rented this shit at Blockbuster, you know? Which is why you can watch it on YouTube for free. Quite literally, like I was trying to find people doing retrospectives and stuff, so I could kind of like get a feel for the narrative around this movie, like the the viewer narrative around this movie. And if you type in Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, Vampire Hunter D, Vampire Hunter D reviews, you know, like any of that kind of bullshit, it's like you don't find anything. There aren't people really talking about this shit, even though everyone's heard of it. I found two videos with people like actually trying to go in and talk about this. The rest of it was like you said. Literally the whole fucking movie just up on YouTube. Yeah. But, you know, that to me just means more people need to watch it because I think it is forgotten. I think it is just tragically lost. Yeah, for sure. And the people who like it really like it. That's another thing about it. Like, it's there aren't a lot of kind of fair weather people who are just like, eh, I saw it once it was fine. The people who saw it. Most people I think who have seen this shit probably really enjoy it. Everyone I know who has seen it, which is admittedly a very fucking small pool of people. Uh, but like, it's, it's good. It's dumb fun. It's as good as Underworld was the first time you saw it. I'll say that. Yeah. It's, there's like literally no more story. The story's just as thin. Uh, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But it's, it's fucking. But cr- you don't watch Underworld for the story. You watch Underworld for like gunplay and werewolves. And fucking Kate Beckinsale in a fucking latex suit. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the, I saw. I must have seen that movie like nine times in theaters because that movie came out when I was fourteen. Think about that. That's crazy. Kate Beckinsale is as old as my mom, and she can still get it. Hit me up any day. <laughs> His DMs are open. Yeah, come Kate. at come at me, Kate Beckinsale. Heather knows. That's my list. That's my whole list. Is Kate Beckinsale? Just one, two, three, four, five. Kate Beckinsale. Nobody else. Heather asked me one time what my list was, and I think I said Kate. I struggled to find some. Um, and I think I, I, she wanted me to feel like five or so. And I think I know Kate Beckinsale was on there twice. I said young Selma Hayek, but then also now that I'm older, I'm kind of like old Selma Hayek can definitely fucking get it still. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Gosling, come at me, bro. I'll switch teams (laughs) for you. Come see me. I'll throw it in. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, I don't really want to go on and on about this movie because I think we have. Um, so with that, unless we've got some voicemail. No, I didn't really put I didn't really put a hit out for this one. Um, I didn't put a blast out for this one because I didn't want to waste my time because I knew nobody and like no one I know has seen this movie. So I just kind of let it ride. Um, so no, we're 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 scants on listener input. But if you're listening to this now and you have something to say, hit us up. Yeah, because I think we're gonna do one more week of summer of anime because I have one that we didn't talk about but I want to cover. So we'll save that for a surprise for next week. Sounds good. Yeah. And with that, we're going to get out of here, guys. Thanks for staying with us. Um, We're part of the Ninja Pancake Network. You can listen to other shows on there. Bombshell Jackets, GNA Podcast. You know all about it. 
Thanks to Speaker Freaks for the Geek Squatch theme. Check them out online at speakerfreaks.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a review. We'd really appreciate that. Visit us on our website at geeksquatch.com. Follow us on Twitter at geeksquatchpod. Leave us uh, a voicemail at 540-692-9165. You can follow Alex on Twitter at WAHirsch and me at ItResolves. And with that, we're out of here. Like Vladimir. Mm-hmm. Transient guests. Some other Vampire Hunter D reference. Now, if he masturbates mm-hmm. with his left hand, that's going to be very awkward. That's fucking. That's not masturbating, I think. I think that's fucking. Mm. I think you might be right. Does he have to ask consent? I would say so. The thing seems sentient. Right, you he needs to have mean? a say like in it's situation. Living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the same for the same reason that like fucking a dog is wrong. I feel like mm. you know, I feel like if you if you go to town on the on the left hand on the parasite there, without asking first, that's that's probably still just as wrong, right? Yeah. Can it consent? I guess it can. Think he seems to be fully sentient. He seems to have a personality. Yeah, I think you got to ask, man. You got to ask. You got to ask. You know what? Yeah. If he says no, make that no the, means no. You know what? Make that the rule every time. You always got to ask. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Hell of a suck job, though. (laughs) I hope that was in.